Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend, Verisage Institute colleague and co-host, Ed Kless. And folks, today, welcome to another excursion into Free Rider Friday. Ed, I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> I know. Me too. <laughs> I mean... I think we both said our stack was stuffed last time, and now it's even more stuffed. I think I have 12 or 13 things, so which I know we're not going to get to. Wow. Yeah, I, I think I had about the same number, and prioritizing them uh, was really difficult. But I found a common theme that runs through most of them. So, But I'll, uh, I'll let you shoot first. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, mine have absolutely no common theme at all. So I just, <laughs> you know, just, just crazy stuff. Uh, the, the first one that I want to want to bring up with you is, is something that regarding pricing. I think we both read this article is New York Times piece about Starbucks and why their prices went up even as coffee beans got cheaper. And it was it, just, just an, a, an amazing story. Not only because you know we're interested in Starbucks and we we use them in as example and great customer service and all that, but how the the article went I think at over at great lengths to tr- to try to convince us that it was still that it was still cost plus involved, right? It's the, the reason why that their, their prices went up even though the price of coffee was going down is because they Starbucks had bought coffee in it well in advance because they want to make sure that they don't run out of coffee, which is probably a good thing. You know, it's, it's like sure, the, they're hedging it. Yeah. 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 So, and, and then that was the reason. And I just found it, it once again, just trying to say that it's, it's actually cost that drives price instead of realizing that, no, the price has probably went up because people are, are valuing it more. Uh, there, there's, there's uh, an all likelihood they can, they can get more in the marketplace for it. And it has relatively nothing to do with their, their, their pricing. I mean, their costing, I'm sorry. I, I know. And how hard is that to get across to people? Just that whole cost drives price uh, mentality is just amazing. Yeah. No, it's it, it, it's pretty sick. And, and you know, we, we, we constantly run into it in professional firms and, and there, there seems no end to it. And what people don't realize is that they're making that same category mistake that the French physiocrats made, right? The, the you're, you're not a marketing is not an exploitation of of uh, of value, it actually helps create it as well. 
Right. I've got, uh, I'm sitting here looking at an email uh, debating on whether or not I should respond to it, but it was in response to an article or an interview I did with the Journal of Accountancy. And this CPA wrote in and he said, you know, this, this type of pricing that you're advocating, which is basically, you know, author, offering options, that type of thing, is naive. He said, you better be doing cost plus with companies like Caterpillar. Otherwise, we won't even consider you. You need to make a decent profit, but certainly no more than that. And certainly not obscene profit because of your pricing strategies. And he went on and on about, you know, this yeah. type of pricing is just ridiculous. And I'm 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 looking at this as a you know PPS faculty member, pricing society faculty member, knowing that Caterpillar happens to be one of the best pricers on the planet and moved away from cost plus pricing decades ago. <laughs> and, and and then he said this. He he and get this. He said, imagine if your government uh, had you pay taxes based on your your naive and dangerous and unprofessional philosophy. And, and, of course, I want to write him back and go, are you kidding me? Have you ever heard of ability to pay? Mm-hmm. I said, why else would you file a tax return? Otherwise, the government could just take their annual cost, divide it by the number of people, and send you a bill. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't have, and that would be based on cost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just, it, it just, but it just it goes to show how endemic that mentality is. And it's just really hard to overcome it. It is. It is. And it, it, it's stuck in people's minds. It's, and we were talking about this earlier before the show is that it, it's that, that a video of the backwards bicycle. It is, it is in people's, in people's neuron paths and they can't get it out. So I'm actually becoming more and more understanding of it that, rather than dismissive of it. But I, you know, I'm just trying to get them to help, help them and potentially change their mind. Cause it just, it just stuck. They're just stuck. I know, but you know, if you, if you if you think about the lessons from that backward bicycle video, which I love, I mean, at some point you got to get on the backward bicycle and ride it, and yes. and I think that's the challenge. You know, how do you get these yeah. guys actually to engage in pricing that's different than their cost plus mentality? Yeah, when they're con- they're convinced that they're right, and and as you said, they, they they're more religion than we are, yet they accuse us of being a religion or a cult. Right. We're just based on observation of empirical evidence in the real world. That <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the opposite of faith, I think, uh, <laughs> to actually go look for empirical evidence. <laughs> but whatever. So. Well, that, yeah, right. I, I, I do remember that article. That was great. Well, I, I got one, Ed, that just sprung. I mean, as, as, as high as my stack was, this, I learned about this article uh, the other day, and I just had to put this to the front of the stack. Sometimes something comes up that's just so important. This is out of the New Republic, okay, so you kind of know what the spectrum they're coming from, but the title of the article is, What If Stalin Had Computers? (laughs) And it's by a guy, uh, a journalist, Malcolm Harris, or a writer, Uh and he starts the article by asking this question, when will capitalism end? You know, kind of, are we there yet? You know, are we there yet? And there's a new book from a Channel 4 economics editor by the name of Paul Mason. I think it's coming out next year in February of 2016. And it's called Post-Capitalism, A Guide to Our Future. And this writer saying, of course, this is going to, this is very reassuring for us Marxists because, you know, he says Marxist economics is not a vibrant field. Gee, are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) And he says, this, this writer, Paul Mason, is someone who still believes that labor is the source of all value. 
<laughs> so talk about the backward bicycle. Excellent. Um, but it, and he also says it's obvious that capitalist economics is incompatible with information technology. And he says, how do you measure the amount of labor in a replicable, replicable file? Right, so it's that whole marginal cost. As the marginal sure. cost drops to zero, you know, then wages are going to go down, and all of that. And this is completely incompatible with capitalism. And and I just I, I read that I had to read that line twice and go, does he realize that capitalist economies created the information and digital revolutions? I mean, it didn't come out of North Korea or Cuba or Venezuela or yeah. any of these other socialist paradises. Yeah, but you know this is this is just a modern equivalent of the of the what is it the Khrushchev line they'll sell or Lenin line they'll sell us the rope to hang them that we hang them with right well, <laughs> that's that's all that's all this is it's just a modern version of that and, and and this this thing goes on and on about you know the current capitalist mode of production is suicide and maximizing actors don't kill themselves so you know this book it sets out to you know answer the question how do we maintain people's standards of living while socializing production reducing labor, saving the environment, and making the best use of technology. You know, and they call it cyber Stalinism. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no, there's no mention in here about any of the atrocities that any of these communist countries, you know, created. It, it's talking about, well, now that we have all of this digital technology and processing com uh, computational power and big data mm -hmm. that, you know, like Amazon and Google, right, have developed predictive capacities that, you know, the Soviets would have loved, that we can put this all to good use and, and, and central planning will work. <laughs> Completely missing the idea that creativity is always takes us by surprise and, and can't be planned. You know, as George Gilder loves to say, if, if uh, creativity didn't take us by surprise, planning would work and socialism would work. That's right. Uh, but but I, I just, I read this and I just was sitting there shaking my head going, hey, this is a clear example of, you know, th th this idea has been tried around the world in multiple places, multiple different people. It's, it's never, ever ever worked in its entirety, entire history. In fact, communism has killed about 100 million people. <laughs> if you look at the various countries, you know, USSR, China, North Korea, uh, right. Vietnam, Cambodia. I mean, go there, there's a great book. And just to, just to give that empirical proof, I mean, there's a, a book called The Black Book of Communism. And it's written by a bunch of French scholars, came out in 1999. And they documented the crimes of, of communist regimes, and they tally it up, and it's about 100 million people that were slaughtered. And there's no recognition of that in this book. It's all about, it, it's a materialist worldview. Oh, we can just make everything better by planning. And, and I just, you know, it just goes back to there's no good way to implement a bad idea. No, <laughs> absolutely really, not. This is really a bad idea. Yeah, and what I find interesting, too, is like, and they, they accuse us of being stuck in, in the past in a lot of ways, but how stuck are, are these Marxists and, and uh, on the idea that capitalism equals factory worker? Exactly. Right? I mean, yeah. the, there's never, I'm sure there's no mention in this book of knowledge worker, right? And, and, and no mention of the knowledge economy. I'm sure there's no mention of the, the World Bank and, and their belief that 80% of the, of the wealth is, is in knowledge, you know, not not in stuff that we can measure financially. Crazy, crazy stuff. 
Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it, actually, you know, the whole knowledge worker thing and the whole human capital thing is kind of vindicated, Marx. I mean, on one one level, he was right, you know, for the wrong reasons that, yeah. that, that <laughs> you know that labor would lose its chains because uh-huh. they own the means of production. Right. And he was right about that. Uh, but these, there's no talk of that with these guys. And there's just no talk of, you know, I, I just want to ask this, Malcolm Harris, just, just show me one place where this has worked ever in the history of man, just one. Uh-huh. And you can't do it because it's failed everywhere. And I guess they just keep coming back to, well, the wrong people have tried it. And if we put, and we're good people, and if we're good people, and we have this better technology, that we'll we'll be able to implement it better. Well, maybe one of the good people was in another article that I came across, Ron. And we'll do this one fast because we're up against a, a break coming up soon. But a New York Times article, August seventeenth: Data crunching is coming your way to help your boss manage your time. <laughs> yes. Oh boy! Oh yeah. Right, and this this article also includes the documentation of a woman, uh, Myrna Arias, a salesperson for Intermix, which is a money transfer company that has claimed in a lawsuit that she was required to download an app on her cell phone that tracked her whereabouts twenty four hours a day. Oh, jeez! <laughs> right, expected to check in with email and stay in touch on on a daily basis, even during vacation. Uh, and or any any kind of of off time, uh, her boss joked with her, and this is I think where the lawsuit comes in because that she she's filed that he 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 could tell how fast she was driving her car. <laughs> and this article then goes on to posit how well you know what maybe this isn't such a bad thing. I mean yes, this guy and it's ex- the exact same thing. This guy did it wrong and w- was evil, but you know what? It's very possible that. Uh, that that some people will be able to uh, 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 you know, use this information for good, and they're applying you know the big data right to uh, to 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 how if we re- you know if if, we're, if we can really figure out what workers are doing and how much time they're spending on each and every little thing, you know we'll be able to help them. We'll be able to guide them, get the additional knowledge that they need. Oh, jeez. You know, keep keep that thought in mind, Ed, because when we come back, I, w- I want to talk to you about something we talked about on, I think, the last Free Rider Friday, and then the same argument is popping up over and over, and it, it, it links to all of these stories that we've talked about. It's just amazing. But folks, in the meantime, we have to take a break here, but we'd like to remind you, you can contact Ed or myself at asktsoe at verisage.com, and do check out the show notes, and you can listen to the show at the Soul of Enterprise. And now we'd like to hear from our sponsor, Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You've experienced it. Marketing and selling has changed dramatically in the last few years. The search engine has completely altered the way customers buy. Your clients are now driving the process their way. At Leading Results, we know how to work with this. We don't just jump in and start doing. Together, we plan your marketing strategy. Install a website that gets results and create lead generation programs that drive sales. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more and to schedule a 30-minute conversation with us. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. 
Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the foreword to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Solemn Enterprise Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its foreword. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the foreword and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. I noticed uh, uh, there's a Ford commercial that's now using it because they pay your first couple months of payment or something. And they're, oh, they're, okay. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They stole that from us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I just wanted to say back to your article from the New York Times on the whole data crunching and your boss is mm. managing your time. Uh, it, we discussed how Deloitte and uh, who was it, Accenture, getting rid of the annual performance appraisal. I think there was a recent article, it was either Forbes or Fortune, and the guy said, well, you know, all the bad press that, you know, the performance review has gotten, I'm going to stick up for it and basically say that, you know, they're just poorly executed. Managers don't, aren't trained well enough. And, and it just goes back to that whole concept of, you know, there's no good way to execute a bad idea. And performance reviews and managing people's time and micro these are bad ideas. I don't care how flawlessly you execute them. Uh, they're, they're bad ideas. Same with communism, socialism. It's a bad idea. It doesn't work. It, it hasn't worked anywhere. So mm-hmm. what? You give up on the dream of all we have to do is execute it better and realize that the idea sucks. Right. And and look, the timesheet is just a bad idea. Look, this, uh, this, this, this article goes on to talk about a company called InfoBeans, and, uh, which is an Indian company, has has a United States headquarters, but they uh, they implemented a system, work, work, it was work sharing, and they said it called Buddy. Right. And this is a quote. Ready. We had pedometers to measure how far we walk, apps to measure our blood pressure, stress level and calories we're taking and all the calories we're burning. But the office is where we spend the majority of our time. We don't measure our work. Right. Then then this is the this is the, the pull quote. Engineers, ready, Ron? Engineers would write on their timesheets that they were doing development work for eight hours, but we started to see a very different set of activities that people were performing. Meetings, personal time, uncategorized time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, performing research on something that maybe should already be a part of our knowledge repository. Mm. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And how is all that recording going to help them improve in the future? That, that's the other fallacy about tracking time is it doesn't at all help you improve performance. And how does it help you with your customers? How does it help you be creative and solve innovative business problems for your current and future customers? It doesn't. It's always backward looking. So there's, there's the problem. There's the problem. Yeah, you know, I, I I told a group, I spoke to a group of lawyers the other day, and and um, got I was getting some pushback on the whole, you know, getting rid of the timesheet and how we're going to run things efficiently if we don't have time and all of that. And and I just looked at this guy and I said, look, you're in a relationship business, are you not? I said relationships aren't strengthened or developed by looking at clocks. 
Nope. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, the time is the time it takes to develop that relationship and stop worrying about it. Just do what, do what it takes to be a human. Yeah, I don't know. It seems pretty obvious to me, but that that's fascinating. That's a yeah. that's a scary trend. <laughs> yeah, very scary. Very scary. All right, whose turn is it? Yours again, right? I, I think it's mine. Yeah. Now All I right. think this is something we talked about briefly. I, I don't know if we we might have just talked about it amongst ourselves, not doing it on the show. But Dan Price, the CEO of Gravity Payments, the Seattle-based company with his 120 employees, read some happiness survey somewhere. And figured out that $70,000 was the perfect salary because people could pay their bills without any worry. They could save a little bit of money. So this guy launched an incredible experiment. He decided to slash his $1 million salary as CEO and pay everybody in his organization, regardless of how long they've been there, their contribution level, whatever, seventy grand, including himself. And he ran with this experiment for, uh, I think, just a few months. I think this happened back in March. (laughs) And it absolutely imploded. His two best employees (laughs) left. Uh, Ed, interestingly enough, and I found this very interesting, customers left him because they thought that the service would deteriorate. If, you know, if every, now that, that was very interesting to me that once the customers got wind of this, they started firing them or, or defecting from the business. Wow. And, you know, his, his brother, Lucas, who co-founded the company, uh, oddly enough, had already filed a lawsuit against, uh, <laughs> against Dan, but not because of this $70,000 minimum wage change. It was over. He thought his, his CEO pay of 1 million was excessive. So it was the whole, hey, rather than giving out dividends, you know, you're spending it on yourself type of thing. Right. But it, it, it's just, uh, it's another great example that, you know, oh, we have to be equal and everybody has to be treated the same. And, and uh, it, you know, the real world just doesn't work that way. This is why socialism fails. Now, I will give Dan Price credit here, and I'm not going to pile on him because you know what? He engaged in this experiment with his own money. That's right. Well, maybe his brother's money too, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean. I mean, he, he used his own money and right. okay, it failed. Now, I think he could have learned about this failure from just reading history, but hey, sometimes you have to make your own mistakes. Right. But, it, and, but isn't, it, it, we're not exactly implementing this, but isn't part of the, the uh, Dodd-Frank bill something along the lines of, of people having to, to disclose now uh, what, what the, the, the ratio is between the CEO's salary and like an average salary? Ed, you took my next topic. Did I really? I, to- I told you these things were all linked. Yeah. <laughs> Can I put that off from because I think that's worthy of a, of a longer discussion between us because all right. I, I think that that that's just regulation gone amok. But um, you you know I I just back to this uh, Dan Price guy. Um, you, supposedly, there's two types of fairness. It's called distributive fairness, and and one is equality, where everyone gets the same. And you know, hey, if you want equality, visit a cemetery. I've said that many times on the show. But the other one is proportionality, which is all receive rewards in proportion to their inputs. And he he obviously violated that second rule. And and it just reminded me. And I did verify this quote, by the way. And I love this quote from Thomas Jefferson. He said, "There is nothing more unequal." Than the equal treatment of unequal people. <laughs> nice. 
How profound is that? Very nice. And it just doesn't work. It sounds good theory and we're all going to be equal and have the same, and, but it just doesn't. It goes against human nature and we know this and this is well documented. So, Well, and you know, okay, so I'll, I'll bring up mine and I think we can get this done before the, the bottom of the hour here because I, but it, it, you'll, it's, it's in step with that in a sense. Uh, turns out, Ron, that uh, a species of frog the Tangara frog in South America is also susceptible to what you and I would call the framing effect. Mm. Right. Or what is otherwise known as the decoy effect. Mm -hmm. So a a group of uh, the behavioral biologists, which is pretty interesting term, behavioral biologists have studied these frogs. And what they found out was, is that they, you know, the the females are attractive to attracted to the mating call of the male and what they're they're attracted to certain characteristics of it, how, how fast they, the, the, the call is made, um, the, 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 how, how long it lasts. And then, of course, the the pitch, how deep it is. So there's deep, three sure. different things, right? Sure. So those are the the, the the three things. And what what they did with the experiment was is that they had they had put these frogs in with with speakers, and when they would play two speakers that were two two different frogs, it was pretty consistent that the female frogs would pick the 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 one one frog. I think it was one that that repeated the the call faster. Right, which was was clearly then more desirable than this other frog, where it was while well, it was a little bit deeper, wasn't quite as fast. The frequency mm-hmm. wasn't as much. Mm-hmm. Okay, but now here's the kicker. So they put in a third speaker that was inferior to the to, to both the other two, and what it did was it actually caused the female frogs to now choose the one that they didn't choose previously. Ah, interesting. <laughs> yes. So we're 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 talking reptilian brain here, right? So the, the, this framing effect, this decoy effect stuff, this is this is just not neocortex stuff, folks. This is reptilian brain that you <laughs> you cannot get out of this. We are all susceptible to this, and there is nothing you can do. <laughs> Our chimp brains, as as one UK author put it. <laughs> Um, it's not. It's, it, it's beyond. It's not chimp. That that would that would still have you know a, a mammalian feel to it. No, 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 no. This is this is deeper than that. This is this is the little tiny you know almond size uh, medulla oblongata in the back <laughs> that's controlling this. That's why. Where was that out of Ed? Was that an article? NPR. Somewhere? NPR. NPR. Okay. Okay. Uh, actually, it was sent sent in by one of our uh, listeners, Mike Natali. So I want to thank him for that too. To he says he's a big, big, huge fan of the show, uh, and and said he instantly thought of us when when uh, he read the read this story. Oh, I love it. That's phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely so, love it. Yep, yep. So, hey, listen, we're we're right real close. Let's just do the break here, and then we can get on to okay. some more some other other things. But want to remind you that you can get a hold of us at asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, hashtag asktsoe during the show if you want to tweet us. Uh, we do love to hear from you, so please uh, keep sending us email and uh, love for you to patronize our sponsors just to let them know. Hey, listen, we 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 love what you're doing, supporting the soul of enterprise, and the best way that you can do that for us is to support our sponsors, leading results. And of course, our next one, we're, we're going to hear a, a commercial for right now, our friends at Azamba. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. What if you could close more business with less effort and do it faster? What could your people accomplish if they had their own personal assistant keeping track of meetings and reminding them of follow-ups? What would it mean to have a perfect view of what your team and your prospects and your customers are doing? What if you could run your business from anywhere? You can have it all. Visit www.azamba.com forward slash soul today to find out how. That's azamba, A-Z-A-M-B-A dot com forward slash soul. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. It's Free Rider Friday. You're on the Soul of Enterprise. And, Ron, I just got a quick one for you because this is really an update of one I think we talked about last time. Uh, our friends at Apple, driverless car. Oh, baby. Yep. Gar- Guardian. Guardian is saying that they are they are uh, suspect that what is called known as Project Titan internally is much further along than expected and that they are scouting for test locations. And I wonder if they're going to be, you know, and they also announced, I think, a September 9th uh, announcement, which I, I think you're safe. I don't think there's going to be driverless car. I think it's going to be about Apple TV. But but uh, you're on record as saying you will need to buy a, a driverless car if <laughs> Apple comes out with one. So you better start saving your money, my friend. No kidding. I just hope it's cheaper than the Tesla, <laughs> which yeah. I kind of doubt. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm doubting too, especially with a 17 grand watch. Probably yeah. need the watch in order to drive the car. <laughs> it's a bundle deal. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so. wild. Yeah, I was again talking with the group about the driverless car, and they and you know these guys live in Northern California, and they were blown away. They didn't know about the truck in Nevada that you know was already taken off, and it's like, yeah, this is coming, folks. This is coming. Yep. I think this is going to surprise a lot of people still, you know? Yeah. All right. So, so you're, you're up now. I've, I've, I went two in a row, so. No, uh, that's all right. So, Ed, I've got something here that you you already alluded to, but it's from the Dodd-Frank bill, by the way, probably the worst piece of legislation since uh, Sarbanes-Oxley and possibly <laughs> Obamacare. But put that aside, this was passed on a party vote line by the SEC, um, three to two on August 5th, and it's going to require that companies reveal the median pay of their employees compared to the CEO pay starting in 2017. Now, what's interesting about this, several things are interesting about this, but 
one is, let's just talk about the cost, the estimated cost of implementation of this regulation. I mean, we're just talking about crunching numbers here. And mm-hmm. it's estimated by the SEC that mm-hmm. this is going to cost $1.3 billion in the first year and $526 million thereafter. Yeah, to disclose, compute, and, and gather the information to be able to make this computation. And you know, the question that that comes up is, does this fit in with the SEC's mission? I mean, the SEC's mission. If you look on, I looked on the website just to check this. It says to protect investors, maintain fair, orderly, and efficient markets, and facilitate capital formation. This ratio disclosure doesn't do that in the least. In fact, mm-hmm. this ratio disclosure was lobbied for by unions that thought that this would shame bosses into paying themselves less and their workers more. And, good luck. With, good luck with that. And 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 I love the, the commissioner of the SEC, Kara Stein, says it will allow investors to see how a company manager manages its human capital. And I'm thinking, how? How is this ratio going to give insight into how a company manages its human capital? Mm-hmm. And so you, you're going to have all sorts of unintended consequences with this. Like, you know, companies are obviously going to game the system. Now, it's interesting. A, com- a multinational can already exclude 5% of its labor force, f- of, of its foreign employees mm-hmm. uh, from the computation, um, a number that they were looking for to be much higher. But the other thing they could do is they'll, they, won't, they won't lower the CEO pay. They'll work at it from the other end and just start, you know, maybe getting rid of uh, low, employee, low pay employees or turning them into temps or contractors. Ah, but see, that's where you're wrong, my friend, because this just came out today. <laughs> Posting, this is in the Huffington Post. I'm sure it's in other news sources as well. But the, the, uh, the uh, Labor Relations Board just came out that, that, uh, it, that uh, franchises have been screaming about this for years. There's now a concept, uh, according to this, this uh, court, that there is what's called a joint employer Right. So, for example, with with uh, McDonald's, you can't you can't say that the they are employees of the franchise that you know of the franchisee. Nope they they are they will be they will also for all intents and purposes be counted as employees of corporate McDonald's as corporate. well. Yeah, I, Sub, yeah. Su- subject to all of the uh, all of the labor regulations and all all of those things. So uh, again, in a three to two ruling. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure this is going to get rolled on up to the Supreme Court. And but by the way, I've stopped calling it. This is just jumping back. I've stopped calling it Obamacare. It's now SCOTUS Care. No, SCOTUS right, right. Yes, good. Yes, good point. <laughs> it's good it's point. SCOTUS Care. It's not Obamacare anymore. Or Roberts Care. Roberts Care. Yeah, even better. So and, 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 so once again, now th- this this I think has absolutely far-reaching implications. I I, I think this is going to make, make for Huge. it's just going to be a nightmare, right? Um, and again, this is I think one one more. I, I think we're the death throes of of unions. This is a bit, oh, you know this this grew out of uh, an organizing effort by the Teamsters, yep. right? They, they 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 want they want this this concept of a joint employer so that you know, they can get into to deeper and bigger pockets and get more union members. Absolutely, yeah. Unions are dying. I mean, they're they're about seven percent now. The private sector labor private force. Private sector. And, private sector. Yeah. Right. Yeah, in the public sector, they're like a third, right, or something um, nationally. But yeah, they're dying. I mean, they're absolute dinosaurs, and and yeah, they'll do anything. They'll and you know, as you go down, you get more desperate, right? So, 
Uh, mm-hmm. if, you, if you can glom onto the government to help you achieve your objectives, well, then you'll do that too. But um, as, as we're, you know, kind of seeing with the Uber battle in some respects and <laughs> lots of other areas too where this is going on. Right, but, right. Well, it's just interesting that to, to, to connect your story and my story together, right, that the, the progression of this is, okay, well, when, once we get the, the SEC and you're having to report this, and I, you said something, and I want to clarify, it's the, it's the mean salary or the median salary? Median Median. Median. Okay. Median. Which for, right. for those of you who haven't taken statistics in a while, is you take you know one salaries one through a hundred, and you add you you put them in order, and then you look at salary number fifty. That's okay. that's the that's the the uh, the the median. The mean is the same as the average, which would be to add them all up and divide by the total number. But that could so that's a lot harder, right? Because you got way more people at the bottom, and therefore theoretically it should be a much much lower number. Right, right than the average salary. Yep. Okay. Right, and and you know not so much your story, Ed, but certainly this SEC rule also I think plays into the narrative of not just you know the whole CEO pay and the unfairness of that and how that's been going on, and that's why the Dan Price story got so much play. You know, when he announced that he did this, I mean, everybody was oh this is great, you know, blah blah blah. But this also fits into the whole narrative of the inequality. You know, and the inequality of wealth and all of that. And it's fitting into that narrative, too. And, and it's just, it, it's kind of shocking to see the SEC, who's got a completely different mission. <laughs> this is way outside the scope of their mission. And, mm-hmm. and they're, you know, they're, they lay down this rule. I mean, it, it's kind of like uh, the FCC and their net neutrality. You know, they're, once again, they're stepping outside of the bounds of what they were set up to do. And uh, somebody needs to clamp clamp this down. I mean, this is law by bureaucrats. Mm. Yeah, the, the administrative law. Well, I mean, you know, this this gets to the, the question, maybe we'll bring it up next week on our, our best business books. If we, we talk about Charles Murray's book uh, mm-hmm. about by the people and, you know, maybe maybe it's time that, that we just start as a, as a group ignoring some of these crazy laws. Yeah, this would this would be the front of mind. I mean, there's there's no redeeming value to this to this regulation, especially when you look at the cost. I mean, who did, who ran the cost benefit analysis on this and said, yeah, this information is going to make the capital markets more efficient? No, this is a sop to unions mm-hmm. and, and and other people that love to rail against inequality, and it's just insane. Yep. Oh. Anyway, uh, just interesting. Interesting how these things are kind of related, aren't they? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, what do you have next? All right, let's see. I'm going to get, get a little bit of a fun one here. Uh, have you heard of the band, uh, Ron, LMFAO? The band? No. Yeah, there's a band, LMFAO. And you know that's internet for laughing my freaking... Yep. Right? Yep. Okay. Absolutely. So this is a story from TechDirt where a, uh, a brewery created a stout... Uh, LLMFAO stout, which you know they 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 claim it it stands for uh, let me fetch another oatmeal stout. <laughs> yeah, all right, okay. <laughs> that's what they claim, uh, and that's how they came up with this. Well, the band has sent this brewery a cease and desist order. Oh boy, <laughs> over using the LMFAO moniker for its beer. Because apparently, you know, the, the 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 worry was is that they thought that the band had suddenly gotten into the brew business, right. <laughs> you know, and was endorsing some beer. Like, 
you know, that would be horrible for a band. Right, uh, right. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a death knell. <laughs> you know, um, because of, you know, we're, 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 we're so concerned about performers and their ethics nowadays. <laughs> what the heck is going on here? But just, just a, now, the, the most hysterical part of this story is that when, when the uh, journalist was asking uh, the, the LMFAO, the band, about this, uh, he said that we have to be very careful uh, policing how our trademark is used because it's possible that customers that purchase the stout might think that it's associated with the band, right? And then he was asked to give specific examples of evidence of how this might happen. <laughs> and you're going to love this. And he said, I'm sorry, that's attorney-client privileged information. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay so the, <laughs> the 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 answer to the question you know why the hell are you bothering to do this is haha i can't tell you because i'm their lawyer i mean <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> i mean just insane just insane I, I i that had absolutely nothing anything to do with anything else we're talking about but i just had to bring that one up because it's just so crazy oh that's wild that's wild <laughs> Uh, hey, and I wanted to give a shout out to Jamie who uh, who got a hold of us, uh, I think, via Twitter, and and said she really enjoyed last week's show of the experts speak, and uh, that was a fun show. I mean, and we were kind of wondering how how uh, people reacted to that, but uh, she she said she was cracking up. So glad glad to hear it, Jamie, and and keep listening. Glad to have yes. you out there. Absolutely, we got one, Ron, one person like that. There you go. That's all we need. <laughs> she even ordered the book too which is uh, oh, all right so. <laughs> thanks jamie that's awesome <laughs> well Ed, i probably don't have time before our break to get into the the big one so let me just uh let me do a real quick one here right before we take a break did you yeah. know that on august 15th north korea turned its clock back a half hour to create its own time zone <laughs> to, to, to reverse the imposition of the evil Japanese uh, imposed time zone back in 1912. Okay, good. So, you know, and, and isn't this the way of dictators, though? I mean, they kind of take over the clock, right? Create that Venezuela did this, and uh, he also moved it back a half hour, so he didn't have to share a time zone with the states. And uh, and I guess maybe to make a fair distribution of the, of the sunrise or something, too. I'm not sure, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, North Korea even did their Juche calendar, right? They started, yes. they changed the year one back to the, the date of uh, birth of uh, Kim Il-sung in 1912. Right. So they've got that going on. But but Kim, Jil, uh, Kim Jong-un, you know, the, the grandkid, mm-hmm. uh, he made this change back in August 15th. So I just thought, you know, our listeners should be aware that North Korea has got a different time zone. Yep, just in case you'll want to know that. And I, I wonder if we have any listeners in North Korea. I would be a little bit surprised by that. Yeah, and, uh, and if, given, if we given do, the state of their internet, I doubt it because they're yeah. they're only able to access an intranet in the country. Right, right. Well, we'll give it give a shout out to them if we do have listeners. We we we, we do feel for you. And 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 honestly, as as we've talked about before on this show, yes, we laugh at this, but it's it's really in the end not all that funny because these folks are evil. Yeah, evil, yeah. evil, yeah. evil, evil. Absolutely. You have to laugh at it, otherwise you go crazy. But, uh, well, well, folks, that takes us up to our next break. And I'd like to remind you, you can also like our show on Facebook at facebook.com slash 
T-S-O-E. And we know a lot of you listen on demand, and we'd still love it if you could give us uh, iTunes ratings. A couple more of you have, and we just love getting those. So please keep those coming. And now we want to hear from Ed's employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Four new employees. A 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit believeinyournumbers.com today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the foreword to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its foreword. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the foreword and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Finishing up our Free Rider Friday here on the Soul of Enterprise. Ron, we have a question from a listener, longtime Fantastic. listener of ours. Yep, and put your economic, your deep thinking economic hat on. <laughs> uh, before we do, before we do that, I just want to sh- shout out those of you who are with uh, w- with Sage. Please let Sage know that you love hearing the show and you're proud of their sponsorship. That was one thing that we can we could would really help us. So if any of you who are uh, affiliated in any way with Sage, uh, just let somebody at Sage know other than me. That uh, you, that you love hearing from the soul of enterprise. All right, here you go. Ready, Ron? All right, you bet. This is, for, this is from our buddy JW um, in in uh, he's in, in San Antonio, and he this is a deep, hard economics question. He says, Ron, while most economists like Peter Schiff are saying that inflation from central banks will create a collapse of the U.S. dollar, so some libertarian thinkers like Jason Stapleton think that it's deflation that will ultimately crash the market. He says, what are your thoughts on, th- on that and then deflation effects and what will be the ultimate effect on the global economy? Wow. Uh, it's a great question, Jay. Uh, I- I'm I'm – I'm probably more paranoid about deflation than a little bit of inflation, but I, th- I think at the end of the day, what we need is a stable currency, and uh, not, not even so much a strong dollar, king dollar, as Larry Kudlow likes to say, but a stable currency, uh, and I think there's ways to achieve that, uh, that George Gilder has done a great job in his new paper, the, what is it, Ed, the gold standard for the 21st century or something, yep. I forget on, the name on, of his 
Bitcoin, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Bitcoin, Bitcoin and, which was originally bit gold, and mm-hmm. it's kind of an argument for the gold standard. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't see inflation being a big problem, at least in the United States at the moment. I realize it is in some countries, but certainly in the developed countries, it seems to be under control. Uh, deflation is always a worry. I think, um, but I, I, I'm I'm more concerned that we get a stable dollar. Yeah. Well, th- th- listen, listen. I think this is a great question. We should hold it in our back pocket, and let's make a quick announcement here that we will have the aforementioned George Gilder on two weeks from today. Yeah, and I'm so excited. I mean, as everybody knows who's been a longtime listener, this guy is my ultimate mentor, uh, you know, much more even than Peter Drucker. And uh, George Gilder is the reason I wrote books and, and, and I'm doing what I'm doing. And it's just an absolute honor to have him on. And he'll be on for the entire hour, folks, on September 11th. So you're not going to want to miss that show. And, and if you have questions uh, for, for Mr. Gilder, please uh, feel free to send them in and we will, we will parse them and, and try to get them asked to him. Brilliant, brilliant mind and uh, just thrilled to be having him on the show in two weeks. It's, what, what a coup for, for, for you, Ron, to be able to talk to one of your longtime heroes, really. Yeah, Dan, this goes all the way back to 1981. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you got for me? All right, I got one real quick, Ed. Uh, Uber has, has, you know, we always love to talk about Uber, but this is a real interesting, um, this is a, from Kevin Williamson, who is a, a National Review economics writer, and he it just happens to be like one of my favorite. Uh, this guy's really young, and he's just really bright. And he's talking about Uber in Vegas, in Nevada, so Reno and Vegas. And, you know, one month after Uber started in Vegas, they shut it down. Right. And he said, you know, and, I, and, and you'll love this line. He said, Las Vegas has, you know, got the reputation of a freewheeling libertarian. He said, but don't you believe it? He said, this is a city in which a game of bridge can land you in prison. <laughs> 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 and and you know he's 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 got, he's got a really good point about that. He said there's laws regulating church raffles has 29 subchapters, one of which is titled forfeitures of money and certain property. Wow! <laughs> so you you can imagine how how and this is why they don't have a state lottery, right? Right, right. The right. gambling casino. I mean, you you know they're protecting their turf just like everything else. But he he made a connection, Ed, and I'd never thought about this. But this is a phenomenal point, and you've talked about this before. You know, everybody rails against Uber for their surge pricing. Right. Right. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, fair it is during New Year's Eve or whatever, or when it starts. Even though they tell you it's surge pricing, but yeah, what? yeah. Even though you have full transparency and there's, you know, he said. But Kevin Williamson points out. He said, but you know, when governments do it, it's called congestion pricing. Nah. And, and all the wonks from left and right love it. Because various cities do this, right? London and, and Singapore, I believe, and there's a few others that have congestion pricing, meaning you pay to come into the city. At, 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 you know, if you're coming in at peak time, the, 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 That's the right. price is higher. Yeah. And he said this is completely fine when the government does it, but when Uber does it, it's naughty, naughty price gouging. Right. This is just insane. Yeah. This is, you know, and, and that's, a, that's a really, really good point. <laughs> it is. It is a great point. Fantastic point. 
So yeah, and I, I'm glad you made that because that is a great connection to make. That that yes, I've never pricing, made that before. Congestion pricing is the exact same thing, and it is. And yeah, London's got it. We even have it here in Dallas too on our our highway system. So that with, mm. with the toll tag, so you got to pay pay extra to if you go during rush hour, and it's cheaper yeah. at other times. Yep. Yeah. And, and you so. know, I remember being in the UK with you know our late colleague Paul O'Byrne and and if you drove into London it it wasn't it um it was just to be in the city limits you had to pay this congestion congestion tax right and, you know you did it online and all of that but it, it wasn't even a toll road it was just to be in the city limits really interesting so yeah and that, and you know the the urban planners and all that they love this mm-hmm. but when Uber does it it's terrible yeah, because you'll tr- take a train now. You, if if we just you know jack up the price of the car, you'll take a train like we want you to. That's <laughs> that's true. Uh, right, so, thought you enjoy that. All right, all right. I got I got. Let's see. I got I got a choice between two here. Uh, do you want to talk about uh, Cecil the Lion or Lowe's uh, hardware stores and two by fours? Oh, Cecil the Lion! Come on. Got to call. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So this is explain the internet meme. Yeah, this is yeah. this is from the the the, the Times Live of Zaire, uh, which is a, a Reuters property apparently that that is, is talking about how the hunting ban that, that everybody wants imposed would actually kill more lions than yep. just the one that died for Cecil, uh, which you know uh, obviously if if done illegally there should be consequences, and I totally get that right. You know that they, if it was it was done incorrectly or wrongly. Uh, but but we can't ban this big game hunting because banning the big game hunting is certain death to the species. Yep, uh, absolutely. You know, the, I forget the two countries, Ed, but it's it's a side by it's a, it's the clo- closest thing to a laboratory test that you know you get as an economist outside of say South and North Korea, East and West Germany. But it was two countries, and uh, an economist wrote this study about the elephant population. In one country, the elephants were private property, much like cattle, dogs, cats, chickens. Gee, I wonder why those aren't anywhere near extinction. And in the other country, they were not owned. They were public property. And guess which country had the booming population of elephants, and the other country had a declining uh, ah. population. And, you know, it's, this is the tragedy of the commons. It's, it's, mm-hmm. why, the, it's why the uh, American buffalo disappeared, and yet cattle and horses didn't. Mm-hmm. What was the difference? Well, we owned them. <laughs> I mean, people right. say, people chalk it, chalk it up to barbed wire or property. No, it's we own them. And, mm-hmm. and I, you can bet your retirement fund that Kentucky Fried Chicken's not going to let the chicken go extinct. <laughs> <laughs> but they're but they're going to pump it full of uh, hormones and genetically modified organisms. Oh, on. I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. And we'll get Frankenstein chicken and all that. But Ed, share with us. I think you posted. I thought I saw it on your Facebook feed. But the, the meme that was going around after Cecil was shot. And it oh, was the wildebeest. Yeah. it was the wildebeest. Yeah, the the, the wildebeest is you know die rot in hell, Cecil. Wildebeest lives matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hash, hashtag, hashtag wildebeest. wildebeest lives matter. Uh, uh, also, yeah. hard saw that that was absolutely hysterical. <laughs> so Crazy politically stuff. incorrect. 
<laughs> yes, yes, it's on, from so many different le- levels. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, Ed, this just flew by as all these Free Rider Fridays do, and I didn't get to uh, the big story in my stack, but that's okay. I'll just hold it over for. The- <laughs> Great. Okay. <laughs> so tell tell us what what do we have on store for next week? Yes, next next week and before George Gilder on the eleventh, we have an, another one of our feature series, which is best business books. So we're looking forward to that. Oh, phenomenal! So we each get to pick two another two books that we that are in our top one hundred or whatever. So excellent! Really looking forward to that, Ed. I'll see you in one hundred and sixty seven hours. <laughs> This has been the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. And in the meantime, feel free to visit us at thesoulofenterprise.com. For more information on each show, we will post full show notes on everything we talked about today. And also, like to remind you, you can contact Ed or myself at asktsoe.com at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks, and have a great weekend. 